Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to step into this, uh, this particular song, a carol, if you will, of the season, the song of the season that comes to us from uh, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. And the, the theme of his song uh, for this moment hits us right, right at the beginning, right? So uh, it tells us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in response to God's activity in his life, Zechariah uh, in this moment breaks forth uh, into song and says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and redeemed his people. This really rich, theologically, scripturally, historically, this really rich word of redemption that God is working, uh, repairing of the brokenness in our lives and in our relationship with him, God is working redemption. He gives shape to that promise towards the end uh, of, of the song, and, and this beautiful imagery uh, as he says that John will come announcing uh, the one who will bring this kind of deliverance. The one who, uh, John, in pointing to Jesus, will give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. This beautiful sort of imagery of what redemption means, that, that as God visits his people, of all the things we could expect to find in that moment, what we find is the forgiveness of sins and re- redemption tender mercy of our God with this beautiful imagery of the sunrise. Um, I, I wonder what your relationship to the sunrise is. Yeah? Anyone want to venture an answer? Uh, I have twin daughters who are nine, and until recently, our relationship to the sunrise, when they're given sort of the... By recently, I mean until the most recent time change. But uh, when, when sort of given the space to kind of wake up at their leisure, their relationship to the sunrise was kind of beautiful. You know, they, they, they had each other. They would often wake up before us, and you'd hear laughter or playing. You know, they could have had a whole sort of full day before we ever, not because it's not because I'm sleeping till 10, but uh, they could have had a full day before we, like, uh, sort of engaged them. But that has changed. Uh, I don't know if it's age. I don't know if it's a time change. Here lately, our relationship to the sunrise looks very much like, blanket full on over the head and one child in particular literally like refusing to acknowledge the arrival of the sun sliding out of bed like she'll get half dressed you know before the blanket ever kind of comes down I don't know how she does it but uh, this sort of um, resistance uh, to the arrival of the sun and and I think Zechariah's song in our reading this morning uh, it, it helps us kind of consider our own responses to the kind of breaking in of God's light in the world. And you're probably like, well, yeah, that's good news, right? Like maybe you think of the sun, man, what's the language here? Whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. Man, beautiful. Maybe you immediately go to like scenic vistas. You're remembering some early morning hike in the mountains in the Rockies or, or a beach, uh, you know, catching the sunrise. Maybe, maybe for you it's a part of your sort of daily routine. You happen to be uh, commuting at that time, and, and, and you see it every morning, and, it, and it, it arrests you. It interrupts you and gets your attention. But my hunch is, for many of us, uh, our response is maybe a bit more like my, my children. I mean, sometimes it takes our breath away, yes, but oftentimes we are... Blankets up, like, please, not yet. I don't like what it's going to expose about me or what it might reveal in terms of my own sense of shame. I, I, I don't really, uh, I don't know quite how I feel about uh, this moment. Maybe we're tired. Maybe 
we're bored. Maybe it's just sort of so routine for us. We don't see it again. But the season of Advent and John's song, and, or excuse me, Zechariah's song, uh, particularly this morning, helps us. It kind of arrests us again. It, it, this is a season sort of tailor-made, built to kind of slow us down and appreciate all those first bits of color that, that kind of come up on the horizon as the sun of God's light is breaking into the world to work forgiveness and redemption. Uh, we see it again, maybe in ways that we have taken for granted. And, and Zechariah's song helps us here. And so I don't know what your relationship to that is, whatever that blanket is for you. Uh, we probably all got them. I, I know I do. But my hope and prayer this morning is that we, as we reflect on uh, what Zechariah sings this morning, that he will pull us into an appreciation maybe and an awareness, a readiness for all the warmth and light that God wants to work uh, and has worked and will work again in the world. So a, a bit of context. Uh, we have this beautiful song here. Uh, many of you, you probably know the story. So uh, Zechariah, you know, it, 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 in this telling, in Luke's telling of the gospel, it's a really slow buildup, right? So, I mean, the, the, the sort of dramatic uh, anticipation of the birth of Jesus. Luke is beautifully crafting and, and telling us, giving us the details of the story that just sort of create this, like, kind of wetting the appetite for anticipation. It's different than like Mark's gospel. Mark's like, this is the good news of the Son of God. Let's hit the ground running and we're already in the wilderness, right? Like in uh, John's gospel, this beautiful sort of theological prologue, all this sort of high language, you know, it just draws us in. And, and Matthew kind of gives us some really practical stuff about uh, Jesus' ancestry and genealogy. But Luke, this kind of beautiful drawn out story of the world and getting ready for the birth of Jesus. And a part of that story, way back at the beginning of the chapter, was uh, the story of this guy named Zechariah. Um, about his uh, job, his vocation as a, a person sort of involved in the religious life of, of Israel and, and uh, in that moment interrupted by a visit from an angel who tells him uh, he and Elizabeth, his wife, will have a son. And, and if you're familiar with the story, Zechariah's like, well, uh, you know, that ship has sailed, buddy, and uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, and so the story unfolds. Well, as, as the story continues in Luke's gospel, we get this visitation to Zechariah. You guys know he's like, that's not going to happen, and so he's gifted with uh, the inability to speak and communicate as he waits this journey out. Uh, but then an angel shows up to Mary as well, right, and, and makes uh, the announcement to her that she will give birth uh, to one whom will be, you know, uh, God with us. And then uh, we step into where we were last week. Mary visits her cousin Elizabeth, Zechariah's wife. Uh, both of them expecting the joy of that moment. There's this beautiful interaction, and out of that moment, uh, Mary erupts in worship. The song that we considered last week, the Magnificat, her, her beautiful expression uh, in response to uh, magnifying God in response to what he's doing. And now we get to this moment of the story, a promise that showed up in Zechariah's life way back in verse 13. Now we're down to verse 80, and uh, it's his response to God's fulfillment of that promise. And his response takes the form of a song, a song of worship. Blessed be the Lord God. Uh, we, we use the word like uh, benedictus, this, this blessing sort of in the history of the church, this song of blessing that God has been faithful to his promise, in this case, specifically to Zechariah. And, and he breaks this song down, again, just a bit of context, into a couple of stanzas. And the first one, the first half of it, as you're reading it, he's reflecting on Jesus, uh, sort of how, how, how what God is doing in his life is connected to what God is ultimately going to do in and through the birth of this baby, Jesus. But then the second half of the stanza, he shifts to, to the promise uh, that has affected his own life, the promise of his son, John, and how John's vocation in the world will point to 
Jesus and what that means. And it's in that moment that he fleshes out this beautiful picture of redemption. That when God's light breaks on the world, what it will mean is the mercy of God, the forgiveness of sins, like the sunrise, it's light and heat and warmth working God's goodness in the world. So that's just a bit of context, but I want to ask you to consider two points with me. And uh, we'll consider each point uh, from maybe two perspectives. And the first is the actual content of the song that Zechariah sings. But the second is his experience, as, as much as we get of it from Luke's gospel. And so we'll kind of hold these two things to consider uh, how we maybe step into this moment. And, and I'm going to, kind of the first observation is I, I, I think uh, I'd like to maybe call our attention to the fact that this song sort of helps us to think about God's activity. And that oftentimes when we think about God's activity, one, if we think about it and how we think about it, it typically goes something like, well, maybe every now and then, right? If we think about, uh, if we think about God or his activity in the world or the nature of his, of his activity in the world, we, we probably tend to think, I, I would suggest that oftentimes we're like, well, yes, sure, that's something that happens, but maybe that happens just kind of every now and then. I get it happened back then in scripture. It's Christmas. We're celebrating those moments. I get it happened, you know, various points in history. But when it comes to sort of the everyday breaking in of the dawn of light in our lives, like, well, you know, every, every now and then, I think that's probably our normal uh, response. But Zechariah's song in this moment, I want to suggest to you, it, 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 it wants to flesh out uh, those time markers, it wants to flesh out our understanding of like, uh, well, yes, I know we're prone to think it just kind of happens every now and then. But Zechariah in this moment of worship actually gets quite specific that that, that, that now and then has some concrete application. It, it means that, yes, God has been active in the world then, in my past, in, in the past that he sings in the song. Also will be at work again in the future, then uh, before, then after, but also he's at work now, that now and then for John, uh, sorry, for Zechariah as he sings about his son, John has really concrete um, um, application in his life. Uh, just, I mean, consider, so he, he, concrete. So at the beginning, as he starts with this song about Jesus, he goes back to the history, the house of, the, of his servant David, he says, the story that came to us from the prophets of old, the promises that, that have been spoken, uh, mercy shown to, through promises to our fathers, remembering his holy covenant language. We've already heard this morning, uh, Abraham, our father, he goes way back. Yes, God has been at work then. This, this work that he's experienced, this moment of God's activity isn't, isn't a kind of one-off God has been faithfully at work, working redemption in the world then, yes. But also then uh, in, in the future, at the end of the song, this beautiful image of, of the sunrise, he says, to give, to give light to those who sit in, in darkness. It, it's language that um, is resonant with themes we looked at a couple of weeks ago, kind of a prelude to the songs of the season. Way back in Isaiah 49, language that shapes Zechariah's song here is, is the hope that, uh, you remember, he asked the question in Isaiah, singing about Jesus, is, it's, it's not enough that he's only here for my people, the house of Jacob. And he, and he, he really pushes the borders of God's redemption and, and to whom it, it may apply. A light for the nations, Isaiah will go on to say, this implication that what is happening uh, here, he says, will have some future implication. God's redemption will spread and grow and will continue to work. It's, it's one of the reasons uh, we did Advent cards this year. So if you haven't, uh, this, is, this is not a plug. Or, uh, we, it's an, it's, it's a, um, an invitation to plant your feet uh, in the story of God's redemption then. 
And so if you didn't take one of these, we, we have a basket of them by the door. We want you to take some. But it's just each day as we, as we step toward uh, Christmas, just to take a moment to write down a phrase or a verse from the scripture reference on these cards. Why to situate ourselves in the promise of this song from Zechariah that, that, that our hearts tend to sort of push God's activity to come every now and then. But a theme of this season is that God has definitively been at work then, will be at work again uh, then as well, and is at work now. And so through these, this little small exercise, we invite you as a community to kind of step into remembering, uh, remembering the story of God's activity. But it's not just the content of a song, right? We said we were going to consider his experience. Uh, that for Zechariah, which is interesting, he was, he was all uh, engaged in his sort of religious duties, uh, clearly familiar with the stories of God's activity, and yet, and I, I don't think I've fought them for this, uh, I mean, he lived with the, you know, implications of it, but yet still unprepared for the reality that God wanted to be at work in his life now, right, still responds with, which again, I mean, I, who wouldn't, right, with, with unbelief, well, Mary wouldn't, as we'll see in a moment. But um, uh, so I, I don't fault him for this, but this sense in which his heart perhaps is just not ready, and, and like many of us, to, to really see or understand or accept that God might be in, at work in our lives now, not just then, not just down the road, but, but now. Which raises the question, uh, raises the question, well, what does, uh, you know, what do we do? What do you and I do with these sort of every now and then feelings when it comes to how we relate to God? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, uh, I, I don't know that I'll really give us uh, really tangible answers, but I, I, I do just want to offer maybe a suggestion. I think the season of Advent is a helpful one. It helps us. It just awakens uh, our senses to, to the nature of this kind of expectation and preparing for the truth that God is at work, has been, will be again. And is now. I, I was reading uh, recently uh, uh, someone kind of reflecting on, on, on the feelings of this moment of readiness, and he made the observation. And maybe this is your experience. Like, uh, I forget what the details of his uh, particular moment were, but maybe you've had that moment where, like, you're on the you're on the precipice of some sort of new. Uh, experience. Maybe you're getting ready to take a trip. Maybe you're expecting a baby. Maybe you're starting a new job. Maybe your responsibilities are changing uh, in your work. Maybe, I, I don't know what that sort of next thing is for you. And inevitably, I've probably asked this to many of you, you know, we're chatting, like, I'm so excited. Like, man, are you ready? Right? And I don't know, like, I think the human response, he goes on to say kind of the really, uh, the human response to that question uh, typically is anxiety. Right? We're like, well, I thought I was ready, but thanks for bringing that up. And immediately I start thinking about all the things that need to fall into place or that I need to do or the things I need to pack or whatever that circumstance is. I'm like, well, I thought I was ready, but man, now that you asked the question, obviously something I was out of line, right? And he talks about the vexing power of the question of readiness, right? Are, are we ready? And, and, and that this season of Advent, uh, the song from Zechariah, I think nudges us. Uh, towards a posture, a willingness to remember, uh, to maybe tune in, uh, the, the old hymn, to tune our hearts to sing his praise, to remember that, that he is at work in the world, not just every now and then, but he was at work then, he will be again, and he is at work, working his redemption now. The, the, the feeling, right, of, of that question of readiness is, is, a, is, is, a, is a question of control. Right, trying to control all the factors. And, and, but that seasons of waiting so often are just seasons of relinquishing that. And that, I think, is Zechariah's experience. It was uh, kind of imposed on him from without, right? The control is not yours in this story, Zechariah. And this imposed season of waiting on him 
It moves him to address perhaps his own feelings of, well, God works every now and then. And I suggest to you and me that the same perhaps is true. Whatever your engagement with those feelings might be, to hear again the good news of Jesus as we find it in this song, God is at work in the world, working his redemption. Then and now. One, one more consideration, all right? Uh, not, if, if you'll... Um, allow me, indulge me, right? Uh, if, if one phrase where we tend to live during the season of Advent is maybe every now and then, I think another way we tend to think about God's activity in the world is uh, perhaps through a slightly similar phrase, but, uh, you know, God's at work maybe here and there, right? So uh, sometimes we're like, man, maybe every now and then, but maybe like, no, God's working, but it's just like maybe here and there. And, and I think this sort of speaks to, uh, we see both of these in Zechariah's story, but I, I, I want to suggest it kind of speaks to our tendency to kind of clearly define the spaces in which God's redemption is at work. Uh, and I think that's probably natural, right? For us, it's probably like, well, that happens at church. In the rhythm of my life, I'm like, yeah, church is the place. That's the, that's the there or the here, whichever is the sphere of God's uh, activity. Uh, you know, maybe it's church. Maybe you meet with people from church during the week. Okay, it happens there. But we kind of want to limit or define uh, maybe it's, you know, among people who are like me or think the same as me. Like those lines get really, uh, they just get really complex the, the kind of more we sit with those questions. But I want to suggest to you that Zechariah's song, a song of the season during the season of Advent, uh, again, just as with every now and then, it pushes against our tendency to think, well, maybe here and there. But, but it hits us with the reality that God is working his redemption here and there. Uh, I think we see it in Zechariah's story. Uh, it's very personal for him as he begins singing, right? It's clearly personal. God has promised him a child. He has not been able to sort of wrap his mind around it and has, by consequence, uh, lived with, a, with an imposed pause on his life. And now that promise has been fulfilled. God is at work here, right? There's no denying for him in his life. God is at work here. Uh, it's tangible for him. And, uh, you know, if we, if we take his story, um, uh, he's kind of a foil, to, to Mary. You guys remember like foils from uh, school? Yeah? Can you think of like famous, you guys laughing at me. Uh, can you guys think of famous character foils? Like what is Matt talking about, right? Exactly. Uh, just told me not to go here, but I'm here. So uh, I was trying to think like, can you think of like a famous character foil? I think uh, a, a common one might be Harry and Draco, right? Draco, not necessarily, you guys know what I'm talking about? Harry Potter. Can I talk about Harry Potter at church on Sunday? I don't know. All right. Well, here we go. Well, the ship has sailed. So, uh, right. So Draco, not necessarily the, the villain, right? Not the chief villain of the story, but is in some sense a relief, a, a sort of, this is a counter picture of the character traits of even his friend group, right? He's got a couple of friends like Harry and his friends are kind of like, well, whatever. But you got this beautiful picture of friendship and, and faithfulness and, and it becomes a kind of character foil. I, I don't know, maybe for, if there are some more classicists among us, I, I don't know, you got like Cassius and Brutus from Shakespeare's uh, Julius Caesar, right? One with kind of noble purposes, one with um, more selfish ones. Uh, but just kind of cover all my bases. There's also Mr. Darcy and Mr. Wickham from Pride and Prejudice. So, uh, right. Char character foils. In some sense, as Luke gives us the story of Jesus, Zechariah is kind of a foil to Mary, right? They both get this announcement. God is going to do something now, here in your life. And Mary's sort of gracious, humble, like uh, she doesn't understand it. Like how can this be? And yet she's open uh, to it. And Zechariah, like oh, what do you 
give me a break, right? And, and so this kind of varied response, a relief really, a, a counterpoint to Mary's openness, and yet, right? Here's, here's what I want us to hear, and yet, in spite of that unbelief, God still shows up in Zechariah's life with the promise of John the Baptist, right? That his unbelief doesn't unravel the truth that God is at work in his life now, that, that, that it's deeply personal for Zechariah. Nobody wants to be the foil, right? Uh, nobody reads Harry Potter and says, man, I really want to be like Draco, right? Uh, I don't know, maybe you do, and we can chat later. But, um, but, but this, this image of Zechariah, that even as the foil, even as the one who fails in his response to the promise of God's activity in the world, it does not disrupt the truth that God brings life and light. He is at work here. But, but in his song, we, we, we see what we've hinted at already earlier. He's also at work there, not just in his life. That, that Zechariah, which is, I think, a theme, uh, it's, it's the language of the Psalms. We saw it in Mary as well. Uh, even to, to the extent that they can know and understand, they, they pick up the theme that, that God's redemptive work is never just here. It's not like here or there, you know, either. It's, it's, it's here and it's there, that, that, that while he starts personal, he pushes out towards the corporate, the implication that God's working redemption means something not just for me, but for the people around me and even for the people around those people. It's in the language, again, of Isaiah, a light to those who sit in darkness. Uh, themes that had, that had been percolating in the story of God's redemption throughout the Old Testament that find expression in the book of Isaiah that God's light will shine even to the Gentiles, people that historically, you know, which includes us, th that's there. God can't be at work there because he's only at work here. And yet Zechariah, the song of the season of Advent says, no, he's at work now and then, and he's at work here and there, which brings me uh, to the end, to the end. I, I want to take you back, um, I want to take you back to uh, our morning routine as a family, if that's okay, um, and uh, <laughs> when we're able to kind of wake up slowly, uh, we, we have an Alexa upstairs, where the girls' room, and uh, when we're able to kind of wake up slowly, occasionally, right, it's, it's not uncommon for, I'll be downstairs earlier, you know, coffee or whatever, and, and uh, when we're kind of in a good relationship with the sunrise, uh, oftentimes I'll hear from downstairs whatever we're listening to will, will, will come blaringly from up the stairs, right? You know, to sometimes it's Newsies here lately, or Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, God forbid, occasionally it's uh, the Chipmunks, which I thought we were over for that, but I don't know. Uh, but I can control, I can control Alexa from the app on my phone. And uh, it's, been, it's created a fun little game for us, right? So they'll wake up, they're in their room, they're playing, their music's like blah, going. And uh, I, I, I have frequently, regardless of the time of year, will cut in with one of my favorite Christmas songs, right? Uh, a, a, little, a little song called Blood Oranges in the Snow by a little duo called Over the Rhine, It's Worth Your Time. Uh, uh, there are more important things we've said this morning, but that's also very important. You should check it out. Um, and I'll just cut in with it, and you'll immediately, ah, like a chorus of like uh, anger from upstairs, and then they'll shift to some other song that they know I find really obnoxious. And uh, here lately, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll, get, I'll let it go for a minute, and then I'll cut in again with like Charlie Brown's Christmas. And uh, it's occurring to me uh, that uh, I'm in, 
maybe I'm the reason they hate Christmas music. It's my fault, so, which I referenced last week, but uh, maybe, maybe I'm the one to blame. Uh, but but I, I think about that experience and the song of Zechariah this morning, that we're all kind of singing our own songs, songs of whatever season of life that we're in, the responsibilities, the burdens that we carry, our own experiences of light and dark, personal, corporate, global. We can, can carry all these things. We're singing all kinds of songs. And, and the season of Advent, uh, the song that Zechariah sings this morning in anticipation of his son, John, and his friend and cousin Jesus and the work of God's forgiveness in the world, it cuts in on all the songs that Zechariah, that you, that I are singing. It cuts in on, on all of that. It interrupts sort of the usual playlists of our lives. And we want to relegate those kinds of songs to every now and then or maybe just here and there. And the season of Advent pushes you and me uh, into the, the space where we are able to admit and look for and anticipate and Prepare for the truth that God is working forgiveness and redemption in his world. And he's working it now and he's working it then. He's done it already and he will do it again in its fullest expression. And he's working it here in my life and yours and he's working it uh, there. It feels like a Dr. Seuss book, I realize now. And it's in that attitude that, that we're going to take communion this week. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.